What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. This weekend's UFC 262 is sure to be a can't-miss event. Every punch, kick, and knockout means so much more with the DraftKings lineup on the line. DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of UFC, is giving you a shot at huge cash prizes. For this weekend's fight, DraftKings is offering all customers a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. If you haven't tried it yet, Fantasy MMA is easy to play. Just pick six fighters, stay under the salary cap, and pile up points for advances, takedowns, and more. There's no better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test than to compete for a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Plus, don't forget about basketball and hockey, where DraftKings has even more money up for grabs throughout the week. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the DraftKings app now and use promo code TBPN for your shot at millions of dollars in total prizes throughout the week. That's promo code TBPN to get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Spurs Cast, episode 611. My name is Paul Garcia, and I'm your host here on the Spurs Cast. Today, I'll be joined by Project Spurs writer Benjamin Bornstein. In this episode, Ben and I will discuss the Spurs in their last three games and how much of a priority adding shooting should be this offseason. Let's go ahead and get started with this episode. Ben, how are you doing? I'm great. How are you, sir? I'm, I'm doing very well. You know, I'm glad I'm glad I, uh, you know, a few weeks ago, you and I tried to, you know, record and then, um, you know, there were some circumstances just we could have figured it out. So, so we got it. We got it. I'm glad you're here now for this episode. Yes. So, and also, Go ahead. To answer your question real quick, there should be heavy emphasis on shooting this offseason. 
<laughs> yes, for sure. We're going to get into that in, in just a little bit here, especially some stats that I, that that uh, that have that have that I've been wanting to talk about here on the Spurs Cast for Spurs Cast listeners. So let's first begin, Ben, uh, with the latest news on the team. Um, it's been three games only since I last recorded uh, with Josh Paredes a week ago. Uh, they've gone two and one in these last three games. So so the Spurs have actually been playing well as of late in these last three games. So let's just do a quick little recap here of um, the last three games. So um, uh, the first game begins on last Friday. The Spurs defeated the Sacramento Kings in Sacramento by nine. Um, I'm calling this a taking care of business kind of win for the Spurs. You know, the Spurs were the favorite here because the Kings were without De'Aaron Fox and, and Harrison Barnes and also um, uh, Halliburton. And uh, the Spurs did lead by 11. It was a pretty close game throughout, but they ended up winning uh, by nine points. And that one pretty much uh, is going to kick uh, that, that win right there is probably going to kick Sacramento out of the the, uh, the play in games uh, scenario, which I'll get into a little bit uh, pretty much here. Uh, then on um, Saturday was a second out of back to back. The Spurs um, uh, lost against Portland in Portland. Uh, this is this is what I'm calling a comfortable win for Portland, where they led by as many as a. Uh, um, 26 points they won by 22 on this night uh the spurs started off really well in the first quarter but then they just kind of fell apart and portland kind of kept a very um a, a big cushion against them and then they kind of pulled away there in the fourth quarter uh and then the, the most the most recent win was that that game monday against the bucks where the spurs i would call this a very impressive win uh just because of the circumstances for one we know san antonio struggles at home they ended up winning this game at home the bucks were favored by seven they pretty much had all their players there um and the spurs actually were the ones who, who just were on fire throughout the night in the first half um they set a franchise record i want to say it was like 87 points or something like that and then they ended up winning um by, by scoring 146 points on the bucks the spurs led by as many as 27 and um you know they kept a really good margin um of of, of of you know just of points compared to the bucks and that's a good thing because we had just seen the spurs team a few weeks ago lose that big lead that 32 point lead against the boston celtics so there was a little oh. bit of, a little bit of hesitancy in terms of are the spurs going to hold this are they going to hold this but then sure enough yeah by like midway to the fourth quarter my uh, coach budenholzer from the from the uh, bucks uh pulled all the starters for the um for, for Milwaukee and the Spurs ended up holding on to that win. So you know, not not a bad um you know, three games. What what are some of your thoughts on, the, on how they've been playing lately? Uh, just like you said on on Friday against Sacramento, that was very much a taking care of business game. That was a game they should win every time. Even I would say even with a couple of those guys there, they should probably win that game because Sacramento is going to be out of the playoffs. Um, that is why they are called Sad Sack Town. that's right i said it uh maybe i just made that up who knows but i'm gonna say they've been called that forever um the game against portland that is a brutal loss but portland is a very good team and i don't think that their record is indicative of how good they are and i think a lot of that is because they've had injuries pretty much all year that they've been working through i know cj mccollum had injuries at the beginning of the year i think Yurkic had some injuries so you know, they're, they've been working through that. And I think they're going to be a dangerous team in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. If, you know, if they get like a six, seven seed, depending on how that plays out with, with Los Angeles, really. Um, so I, I would say, you know, 22 point loss to a really good team like that. Yeah. That's, that's, I mean, that's a spanking you might expect, but to come back around and two days later play at home against the Bucks and and beat them the way the Spurs did was a phenomenal response. That's really the stuff of dreams if you're a coach. That's that stuff you can build off of late in the season, give your guys some momentum, and hopefully go in strong in what's looking like a play-in game. And I will say this, you should not expect the Spurs to shoot like that again the rest of the season. That That is absolutely an anomaly for this team. Yeah, it was like, um, you know, not only did they they have their best shooting night from three of the season, they had like 
the best shooting night from everywhere in the paint they were they were they were shooting really well from mid-range i mean just every single jump shot or even sh- shot near the rim just went in for this team it looked like uh in that game against the bucks and you're right there i don't think they should uh you know fans should expect that to happen uh but you know it is crazy that you know th- this spurs team it's been random it doesn't have very often it's probably maybe a handful of times they can't get hot from three even though th- a lot of these players um are known are known to be three-point shooters we saw patty mills who had just been struggling for for almost two months now and he just all of a sudden makes six threes in this one game and we, even though we know patty's a good shooter it's just Saying like you know, players like Kelton Johnson hitting threes and and uh, and, and uh, Dejounte Murray, uh, just a, a bunch of different players are making threes in that game. And All if right. I'm correct, I believe it's only the second time in NBA history with the first coming in the it was the '80s. I want to say 1983. It was Portland. They had six players who scored 19 or more points. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. I mean, yeah, that was another. Yeah, that's that's another point here. Just the, the the amount of scoring they had, especially off the bench too. They were they were like from the majority of the game, they were like plus thirty two on Milwaukee and bench points. Uh, Rudy Gay and Patty Mills were really, um, you know, and Devin Vassell too had a big part in that. All right, and let's talk classics about- real quick. And in classic Spurs fashion, nobody scored twenty five or more. Oh, there you go. Perfect. Just, <laughs> just perfect Spurs fashion right there. All right, let's go ahead and discuss the state of the team, where they stand as of um, you and I recording this on a Tuesday evening. Uh, so they do have four games left to Spurs. They are 33 and 35, 10th out West. It most likely looks like that's where they're going to finish here, um, 10th in terms of making it to that play-in game, and I'll discuss that in a bit. Um, they're seventh. Because of that crazy game against the Bucks. they actually went to – they moved up from 20th um, since I last recorded um, a week ago on offense to actually 17th, so they've actually improved offensively with, it, with hanging 146 points on Milwaukee. Then um, – uh, defensive, they kind of stay where they are, 12th. Um, right now, they'd be in, in position in the lottery to, to land the 13th pick. Um, they do have the second hardest schedule now left in the NBA. Again, it's just the final week here, uh, four games. Um, and, and the way their scenario stands is basically if the Spurs win one more game, they're in. They clinch a, a, the, um, the playing game spot. If, they, if, the, if the Kings or Pelicans, who are behind them, lose even just one game, they're out, and the Spurs clinch that spot. So basically, it looks like 10th is there for them. And the reason why I say 10th is most likely spot is because it's very difficult for San Antonio to finish ahead of Memphis or, or Golden State. Uh, basically the Spurs would have, um, if uh, the Spurs would have to go three and one in order to finish ahead of Memphis. And that's, and that's, and that's having help by having Memphis lose all their games. I don't think that's going to happen. And then same thing, they need Golden State to lose all the remaining games. And then they would still have to go undefeated, basically the Spurs to finish ahead of the Warriors. So right now those, those two mountains look very tough to climb. Uh, but this team does look like they're in solid position to, to get that clinch, uh, that, that 10th play in spot. Um, so what are some of your thoughts on the state of the team? You can absolutely count on the Kings or Pelicans to lose a game. So I am not worried about that at all. Mm -hmm. I also happen to think that despite these four games being incredibly hard for the Spurs, they will win at least one of them and assure themselves of a spot here. I, I wouldn't, I would say that, yes, it's incredibly unlikely and very improbable that they finish nine or even eight, like you said, ahead of Memphis or Golden State. I don't think I think Golden State is kind of finding its way around games now and they've kind of said, you know what, we're gonna ride Curry as as much as we need to and it's been working. So yeah. he's gonna end up with the scoring title despite a phenomenal season from Bradley Beal. So I mean when you have the scoring champ on your team and he's a guy who also is an amazing passer, sets up his teammates incredibly well, you're gonna be all right, especially in a playoff scenario. If if they get the eighth seed over Memphis, they only have to win one game and then they go out and they play the one seed. And, you know, maybe they take one, maybe they take a game in that series, but you know, they, they still don't have enough to compete with a Utah or a Phoenix. So I wouldn't be too worried about them, but I mean, the Spurs getting a playing game is, is, is pretty much par for the course. I think this year, I, I believe that was 
really everyone's expectations, Mm -hmm. especially once it became clear that LaMarcus Aldridge was not going to be the LaMarcus Aldridge of his youth. And um, even more so obvious after they really, after the Spurs released him. So they, they have to figure out what they're doing with the young guys. And I think this would be, these last four games are good opportunities to get some guys minutes that wouldn't normally get it because if you're the Spurs, you have to win in order to move on to the real playoffs. As they say, you have to win two straight games against possibly the Lakers, possibly Portland, possibly Memphis. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's, you know, those are tough games to win two in a row. And when the other team knows it only has to win one of those games, if it wins the first game, they're done with you. Your season's over, but you know, you, you, you might be able to scare a team. If you take the first game, if you're, if you're San Antonio, you build some confidence with the young guys and they go out and they play with great energy. But with this team, I, I think it's better for them, frankly, if you know, you get to your playing game, you, you know, you, you play your regular rotations or you, you maybe you get a little daring with your rotations and say, let's roll out some of these younger guys and see how they play in a fairly high stakes situation. See what you've got there. And if you lose the game, you lose the game. Not a big deal. You weren't expected to get this far. I think I think you and I discussed this a while ago, actually. The Spurs were already over the the Vegas odds mm-hmm. on them for games one. I think Vegas was 31 or 31 and a half and they've got 33 wins. So, you know, they're, they're essentially playing with house money at this point. Yeah. And, you know, you go into the off season. I know we're going to talk about this a little later, but you go into the off season with a stupid amount of money in the, mm-hmm. on, on your salary cap or for salary cap space. So you'll have opportunities to bring in players to help you. Yeah, and I think uh, just finishing 10th in, in terms of the lottery, that's going to help them too because, I mean, unless the Spurs can get to 8th, which that looks almost impossible to do right now, you know, like we talked about the mound, they'd have to climb there. Um, you know, like you, like you mentioned, 8th would get them uh, an easier chance to get into the first round because they'd have, they, they have two chances to win a game. Whereas 10th, I mean, they would end up with this 13th um, kind of lottery pick. If they were to get to 9th, well, then that's not so good because then they slip down to 14th, you know, in terms of lottery odds. So, so again, I think that finishing 10th here is probably the best scenario for this team, especially, um, especially uh, you know, of course, if they don't, they don't win those uh, those players playing games well then they would have to they'd at least stay right there uh, with that that 13th pick most likely so again we'll kind of see what happens and by the time i record next time i'll, I'll probably be previewing the uh, playing game um uh, a game that should be coming up for for the Spurs team and, and wrapping up the the final few games of the season. All right, Ben. So again, again, it's been um you know there hasn't been much. It's only been three games. Uh, you know, and it's really tough to actually make a general assessment with just three games. I mean, seven games left since I last recorded of the regular season at the time. Uh, and so you know I don't want to go too too stat heavy in terms of cer- certain areas that the Spurs did well against Milwaukee or, or against Sacramento where they struggled against Portland because again it's just a really small sample size. But what I do want to look at is is one stat that I haven't really talked about here on the Spurs cast, and um you know that's the the three point shooting for this team and the reason why. That, that comes up now is because of what we just saw last night against Milwaukee. Like you mentioned, you know, that was, you don't expect, you know, the Spurs to shoot, I think it was like 59% from three in every game, but this team can get hot on t- at times from three. And we've seen what happens when, when they, when they one shoot well from three, but then also they take away threes from the opponent. Uh, and, and there's a stat here that, that I've been tracking this season and, and it's, it's, uh, it's called I mean, when the Spurs win or tie the three point line. So this has happened in 25 games this season 
And the Spurs, you see the results. I mean, the Spurs are 20 and five when they win or tie the three point line against their opponent this season. So that accounts for basically 61% of their wins have come just from, from either holding, tying the, tying the opponent in three point shooting or winning the three point line for San Antonio, just like that case against Milwaukee yesterday. Now, the other part of that is that the Spurs don't usually win or tie the three point line. And that's the reason why this team struggles. They are um, 13 and 30 when they lose the three point line. So when the other team wins the three point line, the Spurs are 13 and 30. So basically that accounts for about 86% of their losses. So we see that's a huge chunk of why, why this team really struggles. And not so, you great, know, no, definitely not great. So, yeah, so, so that's kind of what I want to talk about. I know, I know it's really early, you know, we're not in quite in the off season yet, but you know, it's getting closer here, the off season um, pr- pretty soon. And so, you know, I just want to kind of have a minor discussion here about this, um, the three point shooting gap here and, and what to, you know, this is definitely going to probably be a priority for this team going forward, um, you know, especially next year. So what I wanted to first discuss is let's talk, let's talk about the, the roster returning um, in terms of players back uh, and how they shoot threes. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm calling them the volume shooters returning to this team are Derek White and Lonnie Walker, the fourth. We know that those are players who, who put up a lot of threes and, and you know, and, and can't shoot uh, very accurately, especially the case for Lonnie right now. And then Derek was struggling because he had just come back from injury, but then right before he got hurt again, um, he was actually shooting well from three in the month of April. I would code um Devin Vassell as a reliable shooter where he's he's pretty much a reliable shooter. He's not he's not he's not he's gonna he's gonna take three ball if it's there for him. Um, you know, he doesn't have to feel like he's like wide open, wide open to take it. And you know, he, he's starting to get his three ball back. I know he struggled for a few weeks here from from three. Uh then then the other players that I'm coding as um, you know, they shoot only when they have to, unless they're like left wide open and it's late in the shot clock possession. These are um these players are DeJounte Murray, Keldon Johnson, uh Lucas Simonich, and Trey Jones. And then again, on Jones and Simonich, it's a, you know, it's a little bit um where just because the data is very small, the sample size, because they only played, you know, they don't, they don't play that much uh, with right. this team right now. And then the two non-shooters returning to this team we expect are, are you know, Jakob Pertl and Drew Eubanks. And again, the, the reason why I'm talking about these specific players is because these are the players under contract and, and they're not going to be free agents this offseason. Um, right. So one thing that that really uh, you know really stuck out to me the other day was that Dejounte Murray said um, I think it was after the Portland game he said you know one thing he wants to do when this season's over is he wants to lock himself in a gym and just work on his three ball he really wants to add that to his game become a more reliable shooter from distance like how he's already done from the mid range and then the, the, the three players that are kind of up in the air because we don't know if they're returning to the team are De- Demar Derozan uh, Patty Mills and Rudy Gay and, and Patty's a big one and Rudy Gay as well because those are two players that they definitely rely on uh, uh, for their three point shooting as well and, and if those guys are gone well then Spurs lose a lot of three point shooting there so kind of just in terms of the players returning what are some of your thoughts about the, these stats but then also you know them returning these players so I, I think what these stats underline is that you know the NBA is very much a three-point shooting league mm-hmm. and it's, it's been that way for probably a decade now so while I appreciate the Spurs trying to keep it old school play the beautiful game kind of stuff at some point you have to shoot more threes. And, and especially when I think it's been the last two or three seasons, they've been actually pretty accurate from three, but they have been a bottom three, bottom five team in volume, mm-hmm. which doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. If you have guys that you trust to shoot it and they're shooting it well, let it fly. You know, and, and even if you're missing, you're, if you're shooting threes, you're more likely to get long rebounds. Let mm-hmm. Let Pirtle and let Eubanks go chase down long rebounds. As, you know, those are those are guys who are happy to do that kind of dirty work, especially because they know they're not shooting the ball. They have to get the team extra possessions or they have to get putbacks. They have to do something on offense, and that's what they will do. So it also it also says, I think, that in a lot of these games, the Spurs have not played 
they have not played well on the perimeter defensively. I think there have been times when they go, they chase a guy off the line, he penetrates, but because everybody is now scrambling, another three-point shooter gets open, yep. and it's you know probably a good portion of the time it's a corner three, and if you're getting a direct pass into the corner on a spot-up three from that spot, it is a high-percentage shot. That is probably the best three in the game. Um, so, and again, especially if it's spot up, if you don't have to, if you're not, you know, taking a side, your, your sidestep dribble or a step back or whatever, and you're just straight up catching it and shooting it high percentage shot. And I think the teams are getting a lot of that. So I think while the Spurs absolutely need to look at some shooters this off season, both in the draft and in free agency, they, they need to look at guys who are going to be able to defend three or be able to properly play help defense be able to switch onto multiple guys so that when you do get that scramble you can get out to your shooter you're not too slow out there and you can stay on him and guard him for the rest of that possession if you need to yeah for sure and I think that's 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 the part about when we talk about adding shooting is that you're going to probably you know if you can't find those three and d kind of players you're going to lose some some defense there and that's the part that you know do they want to do that that's that's a big question because I mean that's the reason why you saw um you know a guy like Bryn Forbes leaving Marco Bellinelli is that this team got so much better defensively but they also lost a lot of shooting and now we see that accuracy wise they're having one of their worst shooting seasons um also volume wise they're still back there in the the bottom five like you mentioned earlier Ben so so yeah yeah there's different ways the Spurs team can add some shooting this offseason um like you mentioned Ben, they, they do have fifty million dollars in cap space. Um, I'll, I'll do a deep dive into who the you know the, the free agent targets are that are that are really good three point shooters um, later on this offseason when it's actually official. Uh, then there's also the draft, you know, and they're, they're most likely going to get a lottery pick. So so that's why um, I do want to ask you some questions here. And, and and then there's there's also that balancing act, like you said. Um, you know, they, they also still need some size in the front court. Um, you know, maybe at the spot where Kelton starts, you know, some, some help on the boards. We've seen that that this has been a huge issue for this team is is the offensive boards for the opponent. And so I think they do want to maybe look at a big and that's why we've seen them tied to to some free agents like um like uh, uh John Collins and 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 uh, Jared Allen and Laurie Markinen uh, but and then and then it's just kind of tough to find uh, just a good three and D player because you know you can see a bunch of shooters out in the free agent market, but then you know those a lot of those players are going to make you lose some, something on defense is is what it looks like right now. So um in terms of the draft bin. Um, you know, are, are there any volume shooters there in the lottery uh, for this team in terms of like when I say like volume, like, yeah, like just volume shooters, players that, that put up a lot of threes and that's kind of what they're known for. Um, what, what do you think? What are some of your thoughts? Absolutely. So uh, a guy just recently wrote up Cam Thomas out of LSU. So this kid is a walking bucket and not just threes, but he will he will he takes and makes tough shots. And there were times for LSU when he was the offense Mm-hmm. And he was out and, and teams knew that teams were keying in on him on defense and he still got his. So I think that's a kid you, you might consider he's six, four. So he, and he's not really a point guard. So he's a bit undersized to play too, which is concerning. And he's not really known for his defense either, but a volume shooter. He will be uh, Moses Moody from Arkansas. Mm-hmm. He is very much a three and D candidate, a much better defensive player than Cam Tom. Uh, yes, Cam Thomas. He's six six. He can hold his own. He's a lefty. He is a nice, nice shooter. Um, so that's a guy to consider. I got a couple more. Uh, a guy who will be who's a nice. He is actually really versatile. A good versatile player. Jeremiah Robinson Earl from Villanova. Mm-hmm. I'd have to go back and look at his numbers for the year, but. 
Um, his three point numbers are not great. Uh, last I, when I, when I wrote him up in March, he was shooting about 28%, mm-hmm. but his shot, his mechanics don't look bad. And he's a solid free throw shooter. He shoots over 70%. I think he could get out there and be a shooter at some point, but he wouldn't be a volume guy, but he is a very good defensive player and he would give you defensive versatility. Um, a guy I like in the second round, he, this, he will absolutely fall to the second round. Um, Isaiah Livers out of Michigan. Mm-hmm. And it was, it's actually funny because he missed the last few games of the season, including the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. And I think in that loss that Michigan suffered in the final four, it really showed how important he was to that defense. He's a six, seven guard forward mm-hmm. who is incredibly switchable. He spaces the floor and he hits threes for his team. I really like him in the second round if he's still available when the Spurs are picking. Um, and then a guy, he won SEC player of the year, Herb Jones out of Alabama, six, eight, super long. It's going to be a good defender, very switchable. Um, again, not really. I know I've, I've, I haven't given you like a true, I've given you like one true volume shooter here. Yeah. Um, Herb Jones, though, a solid shooter, but again, not a volume shooter. Um, if you want a guy who's a true, who could be a really good three-point volume shooter, Corey Kispert out oh, of Gonzaga. Okay. Dude was an absolute dead eye this season. He was flirting with a 50-40-90 season. Okay. So he can light it up. His defense isn't gonna be, is probably not going to be as good as some of those other guys. Yeah. But dude can absolutely hit it. So I guess uh, here's another question for you. Um, you know, because as we all, as we've also talked about, how, as you've written about, you know, the Spurs do need a, another big man too. That's that's something else. You know, how much should they weigh? Um, you know, what whether to take the big man? Uh, like, just in, in terms of your opinion, like, like, is there is there a better big big man prospect out there first rather than a shooter? What what do you think in terms of like, let's say their 13th or 14th pick, where they're going to probably at, land? At, at 13 and 14, there is not going to be a better big man. Okay. Because your 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 one great big man that you like is definitely going to be off the board in Evan Mobley. He is going oh, to be okay. a top three pick, if not the second pick. Okay. So that's he just won't be available. And there are some guys I like in the second round as bigs. But there yeah, there's there's not really a first round graded guy from the college ranks who yeah. I would take with that first pick. I know a lot of um, a lot of mock drafts have the Spurs eyeing uh, Alperin Sagoon. Mm-hmm. I hope I said that right. And Usman Garuba. Mm-hmm. Uh, Garuba is not a shooter. He is a pure defensive guy, but he is very switchable. He's strong, and he's been excellent in his league this season. And Sangoon is – he actually is not really known as a three-point shooter quite yet. He's pretty long. He's lanky, but he's a guy who doesn't really play D, or mm-hmm. he can't. And um, – he he's shown that he can step out and shoot it a little bit, but you don't know if that guy can really be a volume shooter. And I, I have to look at more tape of both of those guys, but you know, my specialty is college. So that's, that's what I can give you. Another question I have is, um, you know, how, how, um, I don't know if it's expected or, or surprised where you with Devin Vassell's performance in terms of the NBA three, how, how, how well he's adapted to it, how, how he's basically, like I said, he's one of the reliable shooters coming back to this team already. And he's just finishing his rookie year here. So was that a surprise to you? Is that kind of what you expected out of him? And we're talking about the offensive end. I know defensively he's, he's obviously came, came in as a good defender and he's shown yeah. that here in the NBA. What, what about his offense? Did that kind of surprise you a little bit? What, what are your thoughts on that on Devin's year? I don't know if it surprised me. I think actually what really surprised me was how often he got to play. I figured Mm -hmm. 
they were going to stash him in Austin for the entire year and say, work your way up. Yeah. But he actually got some good time this year. And I think he made the most of it. He was, he was an efficient shooter at Florida state and at Florida state, it's always hard to tell just how good a guy is because Leonard Hamilton legitimately goes 10 or 11 guys deep. There are dudes playing 20 minutes a game and you know, I mean, he, Patrick Williams was the number four pick and that was a dude who was playing like 20, 25 minutes for that team. So it's, it's always hard to tell on okay. that specific team and coach, but I thought Devin Vassell would, would be a good player. I figured he would hit some shots. I don't, I don't want to say it was a total surprise, but I also don't want to sit here and say, Oh yeah, I completely predicted this. <laughs> Devin Vassell is a monster. Yeah. I told everybody, you know, I'm not going to be that guy, but, um, I guess it's fair to say he surprised me a little bit. And I, I think most of that is because he got so many minutes. Yeah, for sure. And a big part of that was just the Derek White injury. I mean, early on, I mean, that's the reason why Pop, you know, brought him up as a rookie compared to, like how you said, how we've seen like Trey Jones and Lucas Samanich have to go more of the Austin route, uh, even though it was more that G League bubble for those two players. So yeah, but, but like I said, I mean, Devin's been really impressive. The fact that like coming in, if Patty Mills doesn't get re-signed to Rudy Gay, well, then all of a sudden Devin's like your, uh, the Spurs' third best shooter on this team, like from three, like he's 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 a player that they're going to rely on a, a little bit more. So so yeah, so again, I just wanted to kind of just get a, a few of your thoughts. And obviously, you know, as the draft approaches later on in the, in the next few months, you and I will talk more we'll have more you know draft prospects and also um, I'll be discussing more free agent candidates but but again I think the three ball is definitely something the Spurs um you know need to address and I think that's going to be one of their priorities aside from just also working uh, looking at getting different uh, big men to scout uh, just because like I said this is a huge um you know uh, um, issue for this team is the fact that you know now that some of these core group is coming back to, with this team and even if, if the veterans leave like like DeMar- DeRozan and Patty Mills and Rudy Gay well then a lot of these younger players are still going to be here and this is something that we see is, is going to be an issue for this team is that they can be very successful when they when they make or tie the three-point ball but but if they're if they're not if they're getting outscored from three within well, this is a team that that really struggles for them so um, w- w- yeah this team struggles with that that type of shot yeah so um, before we uh, close out this episode, make, make sure uh, Spurs cast listeners, you're visiting projectspurs.com. Um, like Ben, uh, ben mentioned, um, you know, his latest prospect watch is over Cam Thomas and Ben will continue to provide prospect watches as, as the draft um, nears, especially uh, as we get more, uh, um, you know, honing on who exactly the Spurs, what, what pick should I say the Spurs are going to have. Uh, he'll have, he'll be able to target a little bit more uh, those the, the players and those draft ranges. Uh, Josh, but this is kicking off his Tim Duncan week um, over on project Spurs. Uh, his latest piece is the top five Tim Duncan versus Kevin Garnett moments uh, ever so that's by josh as, as tim duncan uh, gets ready to go into the hall of fame this coming weekend and then also um steven anderson continues to keep you um you know update on the team with with the, his recaps and analysis after each spurs game uh so thanks again to ben for joining me here on the spurs cast and also to michael de Leon for mixing and producing this episode from all of us at project spurs stay safe and have a great day special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.